What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pals, Pass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, and I got one question for you. What do you want to talk about? Yes, we're going to finally talk about WrestleMania, Stand and Deliver, the little bits that have trickled out since then. I'm not going to talk too much about the Endeavor TakeOver UFC WWE thing, because I don't, I haven't read enough, I haven't done enough about it, the, the idea of something else owning WWE still blows my brain, to be perfectly honest with you, but I don't want to speak out of turn, which will surprise some of you, I'm sure, and I don't want to put my foot in my mouth, which I'm sure will not surprise any of you either. So, kind of going to kind of gonna tap dance around that a little bit. We're going to talk about WrestleMania, we're going to talk about Stand and Deliver, and sort of like the immediate Raw after, SmackDown after, NXT after, and... In the afters, there's not a whole lot to talk about. We have direction. Um, did we deliver on uh, making Raw and SmackDown after WrestleMania thing again? Um, I'm 50-50 I'm on that, but we'll go through. This is going to be very touch on a point and move on, touch on a point and move on. Um, it's been a busy week for me since WrestleMania. I've been through all the shows. I've rewatched all the shows. I have what I think are the talking points from the shows. Hopefully by next Monday, WWE last week will be back in its proper thing where we'll go through each show, we'll dissect the fuck out of it, and I will ramble as I'm used to doing. But let's start at the beginning. Let's start at WrestleMania weekend. We'll go through the results and uh, some bullet point thoughts I have on those. Uh, Theory defeated John Cena. Obviously, John Cena is not sticking around. He's a part-timer. A lot of people are speculating that he might have been sick. A lot of people are speculating that it, you know his, his head's not in it, his heart's not in it, uh, whatever uh, metaphor you want to use. Uh, the match was not spectacular, but I will say, in uh, at a time where we're doing all this you know state-of-the-art, high-flying, acrobatic stuff, you've got Austin Theory, who is sort of cookie-cutter WWE style, and John Cena, who's probably the best example of that WWE cookie cutter style. Because every style, whether you like it or not, whether you like high flyers, whether you like brawlers, whether you like submission guys, whether you like generic WWE style, whatever the hell that is, there's a good version of everything. And I mean, John Cena has, has mastered the WWE style. So for him to have this match with Theory, it was... It was what it was, and there was a bit of shenanigans and whatever, and we all got to laugh at John Cena's bald spot. And the way they followed up on uh, on Raw with him going up against Rey Mysterio in a match, which I'm, I'm already out of order, uh, there are speculations of is he going to go through like a Legend Killer gimmick, and then if Randy Orton ever comes back, it'll be Legend Killer versus Legend Killer. That's not... That's not the worst thing in the world, I'm not going to lie. I don't think Theory got as much out of this as WWE wanted him to, but I mean, no matter what your opinion of the match is, I went to WrestleMania, I was the opening match at WrestleMania, and by the way, I beat John Cena, is something to put on your resume. And it was a nice parallel for the last time John Cena opened a pay-per-view, and it was against Big Show, I think, for that same United States Championship. So, not spectacular, but it did its job. Um, we got to our first of the filler matches. We thought when they announced these two Fatal 4-Way Tag Team matches, it was to get everybody on the card because they weren't going to do the Andre. And then they did the Andre anyway. And yeah, Bobby Lashley won the Andre and came out at WrestleMania with his statue and did nothing, which is 
yay. I don't, this, this sort of fake way that they try to make whatever happens on SmackDown part of WrestleMania. I get why we did it during COVID. I get why we did it um, on the Friday before the first live WrestleMania again. It doesn't work. Fans don't buy it. I don't buy it. I, I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to achieve. Are they trying to make up for the fact that WrestleMania is shorter now by putting a little bit of WrestleMania on SmackDown? Because that's just... It's going to become the new version of getting bumped to the kickoff because there was no matches on the kickoff. Uh, but we remember the kinds of matches that used to be on the WrestleMania kickoff. It was Ryback and Kalisto in front of a third of a stadium. And we don't want that either. But... For filler matches, this was fucking great. This was, um, it was the Street Profits, it was the Viking Raiders, it was Alpha Academy, and it was the thrown-together team of Ricochet and Braun Strowman, who I thought were going to win. Profits put in a hell of an effort, I will say, watching, um, what's his name? And watching Angelo Dawkins absolutely truck Braun Strowman was interesting, and them getting the win was fine. Wasn't the team that I had predicted, but... It is what it is. Uh, athletically, probably one of the cooler matches of the night. It is what it is. Um, Rollins defeated Logan Paul, which is great, I guess. KSI came out dressed in a prime bottle. I don't follow what Logan Paul does outside of wrestling, so the name KSI doesn't mean anything to me. It probably means something to somebody. Plus, he was in a, in a bottle costume suit mascot thing so you saw a little bit of his face sticking out and some people knew who he was and some people wasn't but he, he splashed his own guy that's the story he made his entrance really really ridiculous entrance on the on the zip line which i thought was cool uh it's been a long time since they've done a zip line type thing for obvious reasons i'm not even taking a shot there um but it was really good uh rollins is a great set of hands for somebody like logan paul who's already shown you know, flashes of brilliance as it comes to wrestling. You, people don't like him. I get it. I get that people don't like Logan Paul for whatever reason. I find him entertaining, and for a guy that's had four matches on the stage that he's had those four matches on, the guy's fucking fantastic, and somebody like Rollins is definitely always going to fill the gaps. Now, coming off of this, and supposedly Rollins is going to get back in the title picture, Logan Paul's rumored to be fighting John Cena at SummerSlam, which... After this, uh, showing from Cena doesn't make me as excited. We need to do something with Rollins. I really, I really wanted them to do, and I don't, nobody said this. This was just my idea. When the first, when the first parody trailer that we got was Seth Rollins doing the Joaquin Phoenix Joker thing down the steps with the makeup and the whole bit, I really wanted him to do that as an entrance. And instead he came out with his, like, bubbly-looking pants and jacket and... I don't know. Didn't quite work, but it wasn't the point. These guys are fucking phenomenal athletes, and they did what they do. Um, first big disagreement that I have with this, because everything else that I disagree with so far is like, eh, sort of, kind of, whatever. Ricochet and Braun Strowman winning would have been cool. Profits winning is absolutely fine. I don't agree with Rey Mysterio defeating Dominic. I don't. Rey Mysterio had the great uh, Hall of Fame induction the night before. The induction from Conan was great. The whole Hall of Fame was great. People are shitting on Ric Flair 
for his induction of Great Muda, but you could have predicted before this show happened that people were going to nitpick on Ric Flair, because that's what we do. It was really cool to see Conan, because I haven't seen Conan on my TV in forever, and his induction of Rey Mysterio was awesome. Rey Mysterio's acceptance speech was absolutely heart-wrenching, talking about his family stuff, talking about the sacrifices that his wife made for him. They, in, they were able to integrate the story in a way that didn't interrupt the Hall of Fame induction. You guys know when I did my preview, I was like, okay, depending on what they do here at the Hall of Fame, it's going to make the whole Hall of Fame seem fake because it's part of a story. Just having them all walk out um, was enough. I think it's kind of crazy when you see all the photos of Buddy Murphy and Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio and Aaliyah Mysterio all sitting together, considering two of them are an actual couple, and they've both, in storyline, dated Mysterios. I think it's just hilarious. I think it's really cool that they can have fun with that. Buddy Murphy was apparently there. Apparently Andrade was there. Sometimes throughout the Hall of Fame ceremony, you could definitely tell that the cameras were awkward and trying to avoid putting certain people on camera, but that's just that's just the way of the world, is it not? Ray and Dom was a great match. Bad Bunny was on comedy commentary with the Spanish commentators, which was kind of cool. They use that, uh, obviously, to promote backlash that's happening in Puerto Rico, and he's going to be the host, and Roddy Roddy ra. I mean, Judgment Day eventually came down because, you know, Ripley, or sorry, Priest didn't have a match, and Finn Balor's match wasn't until the next night, so they came down to get involved. Uh, Legado del Fantasma, I love this. On SmackDown, Rey Mysterio showing his respect to Legato Del Fantasma by redubbing them the new LWO was fucking fantastic, and it looks like they're going to go on with that. Um, Rey Mysterio, sorry, Dominic was slapped by his sister and by his wife, or sorry, by his sister and by his mom at separate points in the match, plus Rey beat him with a belt and Bad Bunny kept him from using a chain. So... Well, I didn't want Dominic Mysterio to lose anyway, because I really, you guys know me, I wanted it to be a clean sweep for the Judgment Day at WrestleMania, um, but we can't always get what we want. We got one out of three, which which is sad, but we got the one we really needed. Um, but if you think about it for a second, yes, Rey Mysterio is the, the lucha version of John Cena. He's going to get his happy moment at WrestleMania. I was sort of hoping against hope, but you got to figure... Dominic Mysterio came down with two buddies to help him. Okay, that's that's heelish and whatever. Rey Mysterio beat his kid with a weapon. That's not exactly babyface. He got smacked around by two other members of his family. And three other members of uh, LWO, I guess we're calling them now. So he was outnumbered, he was attacked with a weapon, and he was attacked by other familial interference. Rey Mysterio's the heel! in this. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm kidding, but I'm not at the same time. Uh, I really would have loved to see Dominic get the obnoxious win at WrestleMania and then Ray get his, his comeuppance at, say, Backlash or something else after that, but the entrance for Dominic Mysterio coming out of the prison, being brought to the arena in the prison vehicle, in the cuffs, being led through the crowd, was great. Uh, Rey Mysterio coming out in the lowrider and having a bit of the Eddie Guerrero music before he came down to his own music was also awesome. Hearing him announced as the Hall of Famer Rey Mysterio before the match was also really, really cool. Um, the match itself was great. Dominic Mysterio, while we're 
enjoying him as an obnoxious character and as a an important cog in the bigger story of the Judgment Day, he's becoming not a bad wrestler in his own right. The fact that he came down with a mask on and immediately took it off to add the disrespect was great. I just... Bad Bunny got in, and we're going to talk about why Bad Bunny got in later on. But Rey Mysterio beats Dominic Mysterio. I don't agree with it. Could have gone the other way. Could have been fine. The Miz <laughs> has an impromptu match with Pat McAfee because, of course, he does. Um, he talks some shit. He's out there with Snoop Dogg, who's the dog father of WrestleMania, because, of course, he is. Pat McAfee makes a surprise appearance. They have an impromptu match, and Pat beats The Miz with the help of some other football player that I don't know in the crowd because I don't watch football, and that's not what I go to WrestleMania for. But it's fine. I like Pat McAfee. I really do. Um, he, apparently, he's not coming back to commentary anytime soon because he's got, I think, a gig with ESPN? I mean, that's fine. It means we leave uh, Wade Barrett on commentary with Michael Cole on SmackDown, and Wade Barrett's awesome as well. And it means we keep Booker T, Shucky Ducky, Quack Quack, over on NXT, which seems to wind up a lot of people too, which I really don't understand. Ripley versus Charlotte Flair, which should have been the main event. I still say it. I don't care. We're going to talk about the four guys that were in the main event in a second, and they were fantastic, and I don't want to take anything away from them. These women went out there, and I know you're not allowed to say anything nice about Charlotte Flair. These women went out there and beat the ever-loving fuck out of each other to prove to everybody in that arena and everybody watching around the world that they should have been the main event. They beat the crap out of each other. Um, Rhea Ripley got the win, obviously, because she's a fucking star. Apparently, Charlotte Flair is going away again to do some, uh, some bodybuilding thing. And it's a really weird thing to see on, on Twitter right now, or at least when I get on Twitter, because another person from another company who's also stepped away a couple of different times to, uh, to do some bodybuilding, some, um, muscular modeling, however you want to phrase it. I don't, I'm not familiar. I don't watch bodybuilding competitions. That'll not surprise anybody. But another person who's stepped away from her company to focus on some stuff like that is Jordan Grace, who is a fucking specimen. Let's be real and all that. And she gets all the pat on the back that she deserves. Charlotte Flair does it and she, she gets the label of part-timer. Yeah. Be because Twitter's an equal and, and obvious place. I like the fact that Charlotte Flair, after she got her ass handed to her, was sitting outside the ring doing the doing the WrestleMania sign point, but doing the WrestleMania sign point to Rhea Ripley, sort of giving her the uh, the unofficial like alley oop, the unofficial uh, passing of the torch moment type thing. And Rhea Ripley with the title just looks right. I mean, we need to get better belts because her carrying around that white and blue belt doesn't exactly it doesn't exactly fit the aesthetic as people would say. Um, but yeah, this was, there was three things that had to happen at this WrestleMania. If you, if you survey people across the board, three things had to happen. In my opinion, four things had to happen. Uh, in my opinion, four things needed to happen and two of them happened. In most people's uh, opinions, three things needed to happen and two of them happened. So we'll get there when we get there. But Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair was, by and large, the best match 
of night one. Not the most emotional, I get that, we're going to talk about that in a second, but as far as two people that, uh, in the words of Chris Jericho, went there and threw themselves at the ground for a living, it was Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. Oh, I should say, also, Trish, Be uh, Becky, and Lita beat Damage Control. And then Bailey was missing on Raw, which everybody is speculating weirdly about, but that's... That's fine. Um, all the speculation going into that six-person tag, I know I'm sort of going all over the place, all the speculation going into that six-person tag that either Io, Shirai, or sorry, Io Sky and Dakota Kai were going to turn on Bailey, or that Trish Stratus was going to turn heel on our tag team champions, neither one of them happened, so the match just happened. Trish Stratus came out uh, in gear reminiscent of, I think, the gear she was wearing when she turned on uh, Chris Jericho and hooked up with Christian. So that's kind of cool. I'm not always a gear guy, but sometimes it just it just gets me just right. People are, of course, you know, shitting on Lita for not being 15 years younger than she is. So that's terrible, and the internet is a terrible place. But uh, it's also to be expected, which is. Very, very strange. Everybody made a good showing of themselves. Obviously, just below the headliners and just below the headliners and the horsewomen, you have Dakota Kai and Eosky, and I can't say enough good things about them. I think I said it in my preview, and if I didn't, I'll say it now. Um, Dakota Kai was the was one half of the best match at the last takeover before COVID. Um, you guys will remember back in the day, it was myself and Jake DeMarco who used to who used to preview the takeovers, and we saw the street fight between Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox, and we sort of picked it out as you know dark horse for match of the night. And then they went on and proved us right. And then COVID happened and everything shut down and TakeOver wasn't really TakeOver anymore. Uh, releases happened. Dakota Kai was one of the ones released. She's come back. And from being in that match at that time, as we predicted it to be the match of the night, to being fired, to now being at WrestleMania with two of the horsewomen and two Hall of Famers, it's a hell of a journey for Dakota Kai. And that's to say nothing of EO Sky, who's also fucking fantastic. I don't really have to say much about Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos, because it was everything we wanted it to be. It was a fantastic match. It was the emotional moment you wanted. It was... I still can't wrap my head around it completely as a good thing, because it is a consolation prize for Sami Zayn. Here's two guys that wanted to get their hands on Roman Reigns, and their victory comes from taking belts from two other guys that are also within the family getting mistreated by Roman Reigns. I still say, as fantastic as this was, as all the good storytelling was, and I love the match. There is nothing wrong with the match. The match is goddamn near perfect. It still shouldn't be the main event because it is the consolation prize for Kevin Owens and it is the consolation prize for, Ro uh, not for Roman Reigns, for uh, Sami Zayn. It just is. It's, uh, Sami Zayn fell short, so this is where he ends up at WrestleMania. That's the story, which is a bummer, which is an absolute bummer, and that's not me digging at Cody Rhodes, but Cody Rhodes was the last poker chip dropped in at the 11th hour on this story. These guys have more history trying to get past the Usos and Solo Sokoa to get to Roman Reigns than Cody Rhodes does, even though Cody Rhodes won the Rumble at a nice, comfortable little 30 spot. Great match, great moment, great to see them as champions. It's really weird seeing the Usos without belts on Raw and on SmackDown, but we can talk about that in a second. Night two, Lesnar defeated Omos, and uh, kind of like Cena in theory, it was 
exactly what you wanted it to be. It came in, it did what it was supposed to do, it didn't waste anybody's time, and it got out of there, and Lesnar won, because of course he did. Brock Lesnar is Brock Lesnar, and Omos is tall. That's the story. <laughs> um, Rousey and Baszler win the four-way. The women's tag four-way wasn't nearly as great, let's be real. We knew that this was a vehicle for Baszler and Rousey to win, but we also knew Baszler and Rousey were both going into this match injured, so they were taken out early. The other three teams that weren't really teams sort of flung around for a while, and it's a bummer to me, because there are people in this match that I really like. I like Chelsea Green. I like Sonya Deville. You guys have heard me advocate for Sonya Deville a lot. You know how fun I think somebody like Shotzi is. Natalia, always underrated, always the backbone of the women's division, even though she doesn't get the respect she deserves for it, but nobody in these teams was was anything like in the in the men's match on night one and this is not a men versus women thing so fuck off in the men's team thing you had three established teams and one new team that has been thrown together and had already been proving itself a little bit before wrestlemania so they were the odd ones out in the women's the only team that had any semblance of actually being a team was rousey and baszler and they're the superstars, and they should be the superstars, and they should be the ones to take the belts off of Lita and Becky Lynch, because they should be killing people. The story of Shayna Baszler, if you follow her through NXT, is that she's a wrecking machine. Now, did they ruin that when they brought her to the main roster? Absolutely, yes. Ronda Rousey had a Kurt Angle-esque first year of her career. And it started at WrestleMania, and she continues to have cool WrestleMania moments. Let's be real. They brought her in to boost the uh, the effect and the impact of the first ever women's main event of WrestleMania. There's a reason for that. People don't like her. Meh, meh, meh. Whatever. They should have won. And they did win. But they are a team that beat six individuals. And they had to work the match around the fact that these two women were both injured. Kudos to them for wrestling injured or doing whatever doing whatever a little bit they did injured and I want to see the match eventually do I want to see my one of my favorites of all time Lita plus one of the coolest women ever Becky Lynch take on these two wrecking machines yes I do that's all I need intercontinental championship three-way torn on this one right because it was exactly again uh, a lot of Wrestlemania was exactly what we wanted it to be and a lot of it was good for it but these three guys went in there and took sledgehammers to each other's faces for what felt like 20 minutes, and Gunther walks away with the belt, so we sort of... Everybody walks away broken, bruised, and, and depleted, and we haven't changed anything. Nothing's moved on. Gunther's still the champion. Now, Gunther and the rest of Imperium went on to have a uh, fairly decent trios match with uh, the Brawling Brutes on SmackDown, but that I don't know what that means. Um, there's going to be a shake-up soon. We'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. Um, possibly Gunther lining up some new, uh, new opponents. I would love to see Solo put into that title picture. You guys know, I said it, Damian Priest and Solo Sokoa are the two guys you got to push, uh, coming off of WrestleMania because neither one of them had a match and they're both in the two biggest factions in the WWE at the moment. Uh, but that's another story for another day. Um, I don't know. Like I say, again, nothing wrong with the match, but when you walk out and the result is the same and nothing's changed, and it feels like as good as the match was, it was all much for muchness, it's it's a little deflating, I'm not going to lie. You know what else is deflating? Bianca Belair predictably squashing Asuka. Bianca Belair as champion is stale as fuck, and it needs to stop. 
and I hopefully know how it's going to stop, but we, Oscar went away for a while or sort of laid low for a little bit and came back at the Rumble with this new reinvigorated sort of hearkening back to an older character uh, aesthetic and all that sort of thing. And when you come in with a new character, it's like just turning face or just turning heel. You, you do it and it doesn't change anything for you. The fan base has to look at you and say, well, what was the point of that then? And that's what they've done to Oscar. That's a bummer. Um, Snoop and Miz come out for the second night in a row talking about the combined attendance for the two nights, which is like 161, almost 162,000 people, which is ridiculous, which is ridiculous. Yes, I know, the big news of the week, AEW is going to Wembley. <gasps> Are they going to get 162,000 people into Wembley Stadium? No, they're not. No, 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 no. Anyways, not going to do that tonight. We're, ha we're having a good time. It's all fine. It's all wonderful. Shane and Snoop, they come out. They talk about the, uh, they talk about the attendance. They banter back and forth. Miz is the host. Snoop is the, 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 the dog father of WrestleMania. Sorry, I lost the term there for a second. And he says he's done, uh, he was kind of pissed off about last night, and he's pissed off about this, that, and the next thing. And you know, tonight there's going to be no surprises. Then Shane McMahon's music hits. <laughs> and all the people online that you would perceive to cry would cry. And, oh my god, I can't believe Shane has a match at WrestleMania. It's a segment. It's it's like the people that complained that The Rock squashed Eric Rowan. That was a segment that happened to have a pinfall in it. It wasn't a match. They, so Snoop Dogg makes their match official. They go back and forth a couple of times on the ropes. Shane McMahon tries to go for a leapfrog, and tears his quad. <laughs> you can't make this shit up. You really, really can't. Uh, everybody sort of thinks on the fly. Snoop knocks out The Miz, does the worst people's elbow in captivity, and beats The Miz. So in the match between Shane McMahon and The Miz, the winner is Snoop Dogg. Nice. Edge defeated Finn Balor in Hell in the Cell. And I don't agree with the result. I don't know whether it was changed mid-match, because the, the bigger story here is Finn Balor walking around with his head, with his skull open. Finn Balor did a really, really, considering all this was happening in the day, and uh, some, some wrestling entrances require it to be dark, Finn Balor coming out as the, the purple demon with the, with the smoke wands and shit like that. I'm making hand motions even though you guys can't see me. That was really cool when you did the, head, the, you know, the headdress in a while and you haven't seen him do the body paint thing in a while and take on like the proper like demon mannerisms. I do like, here's the thing, I don't like the Judgment Day remixes of anybody's music. I like the actual like Judgment Day theme when they come out as a group. Right, um, you know, Alter Bridge is getting a nice paycheck. It's fine. I don't like the the Judgment Day version of Rhea Ripley's music, and I don't like the Judgment Day version of Balor's music, where it's just all been toned down and the lights go down instead of going up. I really don't. So when he came out as the Demon, I was happy to hear that his original music was playing. That was really cool. They got the spotlights going. They got you know back to an old, what what I would say is an old school Balor entrance. Um, as you're going through the match, as you're going through the match, um, eventually, you know, they do all the cool stuff. They do what the New Day did with pinning him in the corner. They do some some brawling on the outside. It's a Hell in the Cell match. And then you get the spot where Edge throws the ladder in his face. And it's like, okay, all right. 
whatever. Why is everybody awkwardly stumbling around? Why is Edge with a downed opponent all of a sudden wrestling with things outside? And then you very quickly see that there's a shit ton of people in the ring. And then you start seeing things on Twitter. You start seeing people that are at the event doing things on Twitter. It's like, oh my, you know, somebody on Twitter says, oh my God, I think they're, I think I saw them put a needle in his head. And then somebody else, you know, comes out with this. And this is what I can see from this perspective. And I, oh, the referee put the X up. And then what you realize is the needle was to numb his head so that they could staple his head shut so that he could continue the match. Because Finn Balor is fucking insane. I already, you guys know, I already love Finn Balor. I love the demon stuff. I like, you know, spaz-like spooky stuff. Put that on the shelf with everything else that's obvious. But I do like Finn Balor in general. The way he makes this, this new Judgment Day character work, the way he makes the transformation to the demon work, and he does take on a persona. He does take on the mannerisms and all that type of things and the movements and all the stuff that makes playing two characters work. But... I, just in general, I, I enjoy Finn Balor as a wrestler. And then you see him get his head stapled shut and just continue on with the match. And then he misses a coup de gras, puts himself through a table with the coup de gras legs first, which looked like it wrecked. And then Edge beats him with a concerto, a concerto on his already stapled skull. And I'm like, all right, that's that's fine. That's fair. His head's been busted open. It's a bummer. Because when I was putting stuff together for the thumbnail of this, if you're watching this on YouTube or on Rumble, uh, you'll see the you'll see the Finn Balor picture I had to use was black and white because obviously they black and white as soon as anybody's bleeding. Uh, one of the things that people that were there mentioned was it was really hard to tell that he was bleeding because of all the black and red and purple face paint. Because how do you know it's not just like paint running down? Which is fine until you see the gash in his head that went around Twitter. Um, but not only that when you find out after the fact that Finn Balor was already injured like three or four weeks before the match and the injury was in his legs and he was still doing the coup de gras and he was still doing all the running kicks and the shotgun drop kicks and all that sort of thing and he did that spot where he coup de gras himself legs first through a table with an already bad leg with his head split open like a fucking coconut with some staples in his skull I... I'm sorry, I'm going to go on the moral thing here the one that won on this night was was Finn Balor. Edge won the match, which is fine. He finally got his revenge on the Judgment Day and all that kind of thing. I have no problem with that whatsoever. It's not the way I would have gone, but fine. The one who comes out of this looking like a million bucks is is Finn Balor, for me, anyways. Um, so, big tip of the cap to him, and that's all I can really say. And then, oh my god, oh my god, the crime, the crime of the century. The match that everybody was hanging their hats on to whether they were going to say this was a good pay-per-view or a bad pay-per-view. Roman Reigns beat Cody Rhodes. But that can't happen. Roman Reigns beat Cody Rhodes, but that can't happen. Don't piss off the fans. Don't piss off the fans because their guy didn't win. But, but, you were all saying last, like the month before this, you know, Sami Zayn has to lose. Like, tragedy has to be part of his story. He's a babyface. So, just just say you're pissed off that your guy didn't win. That's fine. Just say you're pissed off that your guy didn't win. That's fine. That I can get behind. Um, the guy that made more sense to win was in Montreal the month prior. And I would say, I kept on saying for, for a while after WrestleMania, this is, this is where I was sort of gathering my thoughts throughout the week and whatever. I'm recording this on Sunday night. You guys are going to hear this Monday morning. I was saying for a while that it should have been Sammy in Montreal. But I don't think that anymore. Because it should have been Sammy 
at WrestleMania. I would have gone with the loss in Montreal. I would have had some sort of Raw or SmackDown or some big thing between that and WrestleMania, and it would have been a, like, they would have had the tag team title match on Raw or on SmackDown, make the weekly shows mean something, and say, look, your cousins are the tag team champions, Kev I've got Kevin back on my side, if we win the tag team ch championships, I get a rematch with you, or I get a match against Cody for a shot against you, or, or something like that, like... I have nothing... Okay, I mean, I don't like Cody Rhodes. I'm not a Cody Rhodes guy. We don't need to get over that again. But I get why people wanted him there. You want him to win the Royal Rumble because he's your guy. You want him to have a successful trip to WrestleMania because he's your guy. You want him to win the title because he's your guy. But do not tell me, and I've said this before. I said it in the preview, and I'll say it again now. Do not tell me that story-wise, kayfabe-wise, emotionally, psychologically from the build over the past two years or so, that Cody Rhodes makes the most sense. That Cody Rhodes is the guy. He's your guy. And that's fine. I'm sorry. One of my girls is Shotzi Blackheart. I know she ain't going to hold a title anytime soon. But just say, I'm a Cody guy, and I'm pissed off that my guy lost. Don't say that it doesn't make sense. Because here's the thing. I'm going to dig into it. You're going to dig into all the gaslighting that Roman Reigns does for his cousins, for Paul Heyman, etc., etc., etc. They lost the titles last night. They put a huge chink in the Bloodline's armor, and they are so scared of their cousin. They used to have the titles that proved their worth to Roman Reigns, that kept them on the family's side and in the family huddle and all that sort of thing. They don't have that anymore, so they were desperate to keep Roman Reigns' approval. Of course they got involved in the match. Of course they did. And as the Usos failed and Roman Reigns pulled Solo Sokoa closer, of course he was going to be the, the second to final boss, if you want to put it that way. Of course. Of course. Because here's the deal. The story isn't over. And I'm not saying the story of Cody Rhodes. I'm saying the story of the bloodline. If you killed all of the bloodline in one night, then you're leaving money on the table. The first thing is... Roman Reigns needs to be nervous. Roman Reigns needs to see his his kingdom fall around him before he falls. The castle falls before the king. The castle fell at WrestleMania. Don't know who's who's going to take out the king, but we need to have that storytelling point where the loss of the tag team titles is Roman Reigns' biggest intimidation weapon to keep his cousins in line and we need to tell the story of them slowly walking away from him so the next person can look at Roman Reigns in the face even if it's Cody again even if it's Cody again can look him in the eye and say hmm hmm it's gonna be a fair fight this time how you feeling about that so when the when the castle falls away and the king loses his nerve and he gets slayed by the dragon yeah I know my metaphor kind of fell off a cliff there that's what it is. And I'm sorry, it should be Finn Balor. It shouldn't be Cody Rhodes. But anyways, moving swiftly on. I'm not going to go over everything that happened on Raw. What I am going to go over is some of the high points and some of the things that people would want to would wanna talk about. As I said, not going to speak too much on the Endeavor, the TakeOver, the merging with UFC and all that kind of thing, because I don't know enough about it, or I can't 
speak intelligently enough around it. So I'm going to kind of glaze over that because there's rumors, oh, Vince is going to take Triple H's job and Triple H is going to be whipped by Vince and Triple H is going to lose all his authority and everything's going to change and blah, blah, blah. So, of course, Triple H came out, he opened up Raw and he did a big, huge Raw Raw speech and without actually mentioning Endeavor or Vince or the UFC, basically had a had a speech like Leo DiCaprio did in... Um, what is the Wolf of Wall Street, where he's got all his office people around him, and he says, I'm not fucking leaving! He did the PG version of that, and said, WWE ain't going anywhere. He went on to talk about how successful WrestleMania was at the gate on social media for tickets and all that kind of thing. And I'm sorry, for as far as people think WWE has fallen, it looks like they're doing pretty good in every metric. Every metric, but, well, they didn't do what I wanted them to do last night. And that's not a measurable metric, because half of you are miserable people that want to be miserable. So that's not a, a metric that you can measure. In every other metric, they're doing fantastic. In every other metric, they're hopping all over the world, from Puerto Rico to London, England to Saudi Arabia, back to fucking Detroit for next year's WrestleMania. They are doing fine. They don't have to come out and say, Oh my God, guys, look how awesome we are. We're actually leaving the States like some people. But he came out, he did his rah-rah speech, and then he introduced, still, your WWE Undisputed Universal Champion, Roman Reigns, put him over, shook his hand, raised his hand, whatever the whole thing was. Um, and then there's something else we're going to get uh, into later on in the night. Um, we sort of did a thing with Bad Bunny, Bad Bunny was still in the crowd. Rey Mysterio had a match with Austin Theory, as I mentioned earlier. There's supposedly there's gonna like Austin Theory is gonna do like a mini Legends Killers type run. I don't know what that's all gonna entail exactly. Bad Bunny was in the audience. Judgment Day came down to fuck with Rey some more. They fucked with Bad Bunny. They put Bad Bunny through a table. Um, obviously something's gonna happen there. The rumor is it's gonna be Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio versus Rey and Bad Bunny at Backlash, where Bad Bunny is also the host. That'll be really cool. I don't mind that in the slightest. Um, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn did an open challenge for their brand new Tag Team Championships. They said, we're not going to come out here and celebrate. The best way to celebrate is to fight. So they called out somebody and they said, who wants to come out and fight tonight? And the winner of the Showcase Fatal 4-Way match, the Street Profits came out. They had a hell of a match. Uh, KO and Sami Zayn won because of course they did. Uh, I like KO and Sami Zayn as as a duo just on screen the way they interact together. You can tell they've been friends forever and they're an entertaining duo and I like them as champions. Uh, do we have to do something about the double belt thing? Yes, we'll address that later on down the line. Um, Bianca Belair came out to celebrate squashing Asuka and I threw up in my mouth a little, but she's accosted by Rhea Ripley. And I'm sorry, the chasm and star power between these two is absolutely astronomical. If they are not setting up, because they've put the tag titles back together, they've put the men's titles back together, if they are not setting up for a WWE Undisputed Women's Championship match between these two, at some point where Rhea Ripley, listen to me very carefully, saves the Raw title from rotting around the waist of Bianca Belair, then they're missing a trick. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Miz comes out complaining about WrestleMania, complaining about how a star of his caliber shouldn't be dealing with so many surprises and blah, blah, blah. He lost a match to Pat McAfee. Technically, he went into a match with Shane McMahon and lost it to Snoop Dogg, which is a weird thing to say. 
There's going to be no more surprises. There's going to be absolutely no more surprises. Bro. Matt Riddle comes out and beats the shit out of The Miz. For reasons. <laughs> Love it. And once again, once again, the return of Matt Riddle, who, yeah, had some reasons that he needed to be gone. And whatever those reasons were are gone now, and he's back. And he was taken out by the bloodline, which we're going to talk about shortly. And why? You guys know me. It's almost becoming a catchphrase at this point. Why do I love the return of Matt Riddle, other than the fact that he's ridiculously entertaining? Because it pisses off all the right people. Oh, yes. Now, what did we have? At the beginning of the night, we had Triple H doing his rah-rah speech, introduces Roman Reigns. He, you know, in very Roman Reigns-esque fashion, celebrates the fact that he's still the champion. He gets accosted by Cody Rhodes, who says, you know, this isn't the way I wanted to start Monday Night Raw this week, and says, you know, will you... Every, everybody knows the one word that's on everybody's lips is rematch, and Roman Reigns rightfully so. Says, Why would I give you a rematch? <laughs> Why would I give you a rematch? And he says, okay, if you're not going to give me a rematch, at least give me a tag team match. And he says, okay, I'll find a partner, and I'll face, face you and Solo tonight, because so Solo's the one that really cost me the title. It wasn't you, it was Solo. And it's like, okay. Paul Heyman sets out these ridiculous parameters, and it's like, it has to be somebody that was victorious at WrestleMania last night, and that person will never receive a WWE championship match ever again if they decide to be your partner. Now I'm now that's going to show how lonely you are, Roddy Roddy Rob. And the person who shows up by Cody Rhodes' side to help him to be his partner looking at looking like Cody Rhodes's like Pokémon evolution in final form is Brock Lesnar. And the commentary was really good to say, yeah, it makes sense that Brock Lesnar would come out and accept it under those circumstances because Brock Lesnar already lost a match that said he never gets another world title match ever again. Of course he wants revenge on Roman Reigns. So they set up this big, gigantic, oh my god, Brock Lesnar hasn't had a match on Raw in however long, and people on Twitter think that that's some kind of own, but it's really not. Roman Reigns gets introduced. Solo Sokoa gets introduced. Cody Rhodes gets introduced and Brock Lesnar gets introduced, and then as soon as the introductions happen, boom! Attack on Cody Rhodes. Clothesline, and F5, and beats him around the outside. The bloodline at this point throw their hands up in the air and say, you, you fucking have at it, bud. They leave, and he just beats him, pillar to post, inside, outside, tables, stairs, leaves him like a bit of melted cheese on a piece of the of the stairs as we go off the air and it's just hysterical to me because all the stuff that I can't stand and it this is like and again I have to say that this is not this is not me harping on Cody Rhodes like I said not my guy Obviously, he's a big name. Obviously, he's found success elsewhere. He built his own company. He came back. He got the reaction that he wanted to. He came back and he fought even though it was injured. And everything that he did in Hell in the Cell with Seth Rollins, I'll say it once again, was absolutely insane. Also kind of stupid. But I respect the fuck out of him for that. He got the spot that everybody wanted him to have in the Rumble. He got the spot that everybody wanted to have at WrestleMania. But then there's all the other stuff. It's every Cody Rhodes promo where he comes out 
and he cries, and he tells you who his dad is, and he tells you who his brother is, and he reminds you what color his wife is and what color his kids are, and then you've got the people on Twitter that are like, he's going to go to WrestleMania and fight for the AEW fans, even though he's a WWE guy at a WWE show fighting for a WWE, t and it's all the ridiculousness that came literally 24 hours beforehand where it's like, this is the one thing that can't happen, and how dare they do that? Well, it's their company. They can do whatever they want. All of that frustrating bullshit when you see Cody Rhodes splattered like roadkill on that lower, whatever you want to call it, that lower portion of the steel steps, and we go off the air where it's like, yeah, but also you can go fuck yourself. And yes, I smiled, and yes, I grinned a whole lot about that. And that's how we went off the air on Raw. So, I gotta switch gears a little bit, we'll talk about Stand and Deliver. Stand and Deliver, smaller scale, obviously, a little bit of a goofy show, wasn't anything to set the world on fire, but it was still really, really, really good. Chase U versus the Schism was pushed to the kickoff. I don't like that. That was a fun match. That could have just been part of the regular show. Chase U won. Chase U won when Duke Hudson pretended to join the Schism and then did the Hogan tear-off with the t-shirt and just destroyed them all. Tyler Bate was a cool member of that team for the night. Um... I mean, Thea Hale at this point is ridiculously entertaining to watch. The Rock's daughter, and everybody just keeps calling her The Rock's daughter instead of calling her Ava, which is... It's one of those things, isn't it, when everybody... When when Daniel Bryan was in WWE and they kept on insisting on calling him Danielson because that made them cool. Or it's everybody, it's everybody that ever calls, you know, Triple H Paul when they're talking about him on a podcast. And it's just... You're just doing it to be a, a, a dick and weird... But it was a good enough. It was a good enough match. Like I said, it's a it's a storytelling thing more than it was a match. But it it was still a match. The schism are a lot of fun, and I do think right now if you brought up the schism and sort of like merged them with the Judgment Day, there's some really interesting. Or I'm sorry because yeah, it's three three and a female versus three and a female. Have the schism versus the Judgment Day on some random B pay per view where it doesn't really matter, and just have all kinds of fun with it. The women's ladder match was fantastic. The story that they told at the last minute about uh, Roxanne Perez, you know, getting over her anxiety and her mental issues and whatnot and wanting to be back in the match was a little bit weird. I saw some people online talking about how, you know, those are type serious types of struggles that people have. Is it really cool to put them in a storyline? It didn't bug me. I can see how it bugs some other people, but she went in. She did great. Uh, Indy Hartwell was your winner. JC Jane came back to continue her feud with Gigi Dolan, which is absolutely fine. Dexter Loomis showed up under Indy Hartwell as she was the only one in the ring, but she her legs were hurting or something like that, and she couldn't climb the ladder, so he showed up, like, under her, like he was about to go have a munch, which was a little bit awkward, and they, they froze like that a little too long, but basically Dexter Loomis carries her up the uh, up the ladder, and she wins the championship, which is absolutely fine. The Indy Hartwell-Dexter Loomis thing is one of, those, one of those corny things that either you like it or you don't. I don't mind it. You guys know me. I didn't like Dexter Loomis for the longest time. Why is my computer doing a thing? Why? Why? Stop that. Anyways, there we go. It was it was fine. Um, Roxanne Perez sitting on the outside, much like Charlotte, sort of smiling up at the new champion, like happy for her type of thing. And the rest of the ladies did, did what they could in the match as well. Um, 
Who was it? Who was it? Tiffany Stratton did that weird Sinton to the outside where I don't think anybody really caught her and she ate shit back first, which wasn't great. But I mean, it, it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of implication of uh, Gigi Doling being the champion if JC Jane hadn't come back. Fine. Gallus versus the Creeds versus uh, Tony D and Stax uh, was won by Gallus, which again makes me smile because it pisses off all the right people. And also it heralded the return of Joe Coffey, so they are back to being a three person unit, which makes me think that their time in, w or in uh, NXT might not be long for this world because if you've got that trio and you've got Imperium and you've got the Brawling Brutes, there's a lot of three on three on three stuff you can do there. And I don't. Off the top of my head, I can't think of another trio that they can go up against in NXT. But Joe Coffey returns. He wants some gold of his own. He kind of in implies on uh, this week's episode of NXT that he might go after Wesley, but he never directly says it. Uh, the family's fine. The creeds are, are fine, I guess. The match was a lot of fun. Tony D and Stax being the characters that they are, and both the Creeds and uh, Gallus just being big beefy boys smacking meat, as uh, Big E would say, and it was it was fun enough. Wesley, oh my God, the Wesley North American Championship Invitational with him and Axiom and Dragon Lee, who I was seeing for the first time, plus Ilya Dragunov and and. Uh, what the hell is his name? J.D. McDonough. I want to call him Jordan Devlin, because J.D. McDonough just doesn't do it. Um, it was a car crash. It was the best match of the night. Uh, I mean, seconded by the by the ladies' ladder match, but it was the high-flying match of the night. I really love what I've seen from Dragon Lee so far. Uh, what can I say about that? Axiom just is amazing, and we've known that for a while now. Wesley, um, charisma out the ass. Um hops around like the ground is on fire. The other two, the more grounded uh, characters of Dragunov and JD McDonough, just beat the crap out of each other to balance out some of the more high-flying stuff, and it was a fantastic match. Wesley retains. Wesley's ha having a hell of a run with this title. I mean, his tag team partner kind of got fucked a while ago, but he seems to be moving along and moving forward. I'm going to see. I'm going to see what's his name, Wentz the next Destiny show that I'm at. So that's kind of fun. A little bit of a side note, I get I get to see the Rascals face the Bullet Club. Hey, More trio stuff. I'll uh, talk about that on another vid, probably. Johnny Gargano defeated Grayson Waller after Waller decided to fuck with Candice LeRae and fuck with their kid, and she smacked ten bells out of him. And he won with the one final beat, which is reminiscent of the greatest match in NXT history next to the NXT Iron Man Fatal 4-Way for the people out there that seem to think those matches are crap. And they're not. And Gargano got to stand on the rampway with Candice LeRae and new champion Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis and their kid. And sort of, I mean, everybody but Austin Theory. It was sort of a The Way reunion. Um, people, I was watching this show when I was a couple minutes behind, and people on Twitter started saying, oh, they're all back together again. And I thought it was the return of Tommaso Ciampa. So I, was, so I was kind of bummed, but at the same time, getting the way back together on the stage for one night for, I guess, like an NXT curtain call type of idea was really cool. Not much to say about the next uh, thing was the Women's Tag Team Championship match. is one team that absolutely gets along and one team that absolutely doesn't get along. The Spooky Ladies of Alba Fire and Illidan are your new Women's Tag Team Championships, and I love it because Spaz loves spooky things. 
And Kaylee Ray's awesome, and Ila Dawn has been underrated since her time in NXT UK. So doesn't hurt my feelings at all. Carmelo Hayes and Braun Breaker, the youngest match in NXT or in WrestleMania weekend history, is how it was how it was played off. Everything was cool. Carmelo Hayes coming out with like LA Lakers uh, iconography all around him with the jerseys of all the other people that he's beaten and all that kind of thing. Trick gets involved at one point, and it's like, we have to have them get involved at least once because technically they are the heels, and that's about it. Got that out of the way. rest of the match was what it was. And Carmelo Hayes defeated Braun Breaker. And it was really good. And that's, I don't really know what else to say. Um, you know, the power guy tried to do some athletic stuff. The athletic guy tried to do some power stuff. You know, that, that, counter, that counter of the counter wrestling mentality. Uh, really, really cool. Really nice way to start the day when you knew there was more WrestleMania coming that night, is all I can say. On this week's episode of NXT, Indy had her first title defense after getting called out by Zoe Stark. After the match, she was called out on the ramp by Tiffany Stratton, which caused a distraction so that Cora Jade could come in and beat the shit out of her. So I'm assuming we're going to get Cora Jade versus Indy Hartwell moving forward, which doesn't hurt my feelings at all. I really didn't think Indy Hartwell was going to win this. Uh, I thought it was going to be Gigi Dolan, and I thought Indy Hartwell was going to go up to the main roster, but that did not happen. That did not happen at all, but Cora Jade, uh, she's been gone a little bit, has she not? Um, but she's back now. She's going to get herself back in the title scene, and it's going to be her versus Indy, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Dragon Lee had his first singles match slash his first match on weekly NXT television against Nathan Frazier, and it was a fucking cocaine match. I, I don't know what else to say. These two guys are absolutely fantastic. The distracting point was before the match even started, we saw the return of Noam Dar, which is a lot of fun. I was really, really hoping when I saw him in the audience that there was going to be somebody else with him. Maybe the beautiful Alicia Fox, but that was not the case. He did, however, bring in the Heritage Cup from NXT UK. And it's kind of... I mean, it's not the same, but if you like when ROH does the pure rules, and it's just a slightly different set of rules that are supposed to make it more of an athletic contest and whatever, the Heritage Cup, uh, when it was introduced in NXT UK, I've only seen a couple of matches under these rules, so I'm not going to say like I'm any kind of expert, but it's like there's rounds and different rules and all that kind of thing. And if they're going to introduce that to NXT, and they're going to use Noam Dar as a as a catalyst to introduce that concept to the brand that's really really interesting and he just sort of sat back and watched um the nathan frazier dragon lee match dragon lee nathan frazier the action in the match spoke for itself so the commentators were sort of trying to give people a rundown of what this heritage cup was about because just conveniently enough it was sitting on the commentary table when noem dar arrived that's really nice wesley gave axiom a one-on-one -on -one title shot because he said he was the most impressed by him at stand and deliver and he gets the win after another absolutely cocaine infused match that I I absolutely tip my hat to. Uh, after the match, Scripps tries to jump Axiom from behind and fails, <laughs> and it's just kind of funny. I don't even know what to say. Um, Carmelo Hayes had a little like celebration promo at the end of the night and wanted to call out Braun Breaker to show him proper respect for carrying the brand as long as he did. He says, uh, you guys have seen a different version of me 
Uh, ever since I got into the hunt for this title, I had to give Braun Breaker his props. I had to give him his flowers, as the expression goes, I think. Um, because he did carry it for so long, and, you know, if you're going to be the next one, you got to respect the last one and all that kind of thing. Breaker came out and raised his hand and, you know, all that kind of thing. When you're a champion, you have to prepare that title and its value for the next champion and think about all the other champions before me and this is what Champa taught me and this is what I'm passing on to you and then he clotheslined him and beat the shit out of him to end the show <laughs> so now kinda in my own head I need to see Braun Breaker and Braun Lesnar versus Carmelo Hayes and Cody Rhodes just cause it'll be fucking hilarious and then Smackdown didn't nearly give us as much. I will say we got a continuation of um, Rey Mysterio being with the uh, LWO, or Legato del Fantasma, or they're going to go back and forth between the two. Um, Zelina Vega's mask that she was wearing when she came down with the rest of the LWO was really, really cool. Um, again, we're building this Rey and whoever, be it Santos, or be it some of the LWO, or be it uh, Bad Money at Backlash, continuing his problems with the Judgment Day. I I don't know, because on this, tonight, we had Damian Priest and uh, Dominic Mysterio taking on Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar, which is fine, but again, we have this thing where if you don't include Ripley, which, I mean, she's off doing her own thing right now, the babyfaces have a four-on-three advantage, and with Bad Bunny, they've got a five-on-three advantage. That's that's something. There's something in that dynamic that they have to fix. Uh, we got the news that Nakamura is returning next week. The last time Nakamura was seen on television was when WWE graciously let him go over to to Noah to be part of one of the Great Muda's last matches. Um, Triple H came out again. They were saying he had some kind of big announcement. I thought it was going to be the Bel Air Ripley match that I would really like to see, but no, he's he came out and he did another Raw Raw speech, which is absolutely fine. What they accomplished over WrestleMania weekend needs to be touted as much as they possibly can. Totally cool. He also came out to announce that the draft is back. Yay. Okay. I want to give you guys a little bit of a lesson. You guys on the other side of the aisle, so to speak. I'm a WWE guy. Who's running WWE? Triple H. So am I a fan of Triple H? Yes. If he puts a tweet out that says he's got a major announcement tonight, you know, tune in on Friday for a major announcement, and it's just the draft, I can say that's a disappointing announcement and still be a fan of Triple H and still be a fan of WWE. I don't have to because I'm a fan of Triple H and a fan of WWE, pretend that a disappointing announcement is a major announcement. I just don't. I, I mean, it's fine. They're probably going to use it to bring up some people from NXT, because he said everybody from every brand, um, you know, the changes that happen at the draft are going to be, you know, they're going to change the game, because they have to get that pun in there. I do wonder, because when they when they officially closed NXT UK, it was with the promise that they were going to reopen as NXT Europe. So I wonder, I wonder if that's going to be coupled in with the draft when it happens, because he didn't even, he didn't even specify when the draft was happening. He just said it's happening in a few weeks. So 
you know, start speculating on what what uh, moves are going to be made, etc. Uh, the only one that I can really see right now is I think they're going to move Judgment Day as a whole to SmackDown, which is fine. SmackDown's the more digestible show. I think being on Fox, it has the bigger audience, so give them the bigger audience on the show that's easier to watch. A um, couple other tag teams on SmackDown that they could tie things up with. And I'm sorry, Damian Priest versus Walter for that Intercontinental Championship match is a match that I want to see. Now, I did mention... I hope I, I hope I mentioned that Nakamura is coming back next week as well, because that's also pretty cool. Uh, people are saying that they have high hopes for Nakamura this time around, and I, I do too. I think with all the speculation over who's really controlling creative, I think the return of Nakamura and the return of Matt Riddle is a chance for Triple H to prove that he's got the he's got the shtick, so to speak, because Nakamura was the guy that came out with his buddy playing guitar, and Riddle was just the stoner guy under Vince. Um, and I'm sorry, the most Vince guy ever was Austin Theory, and Austin Theory under Triple H hasn't been doing too shabby for himself. Just had a match with John Cena at WrestleMania, so we'll see how that goes. And the Bloodline Bloodline set up uh, Jey Uso versus Sami Zayn to solve the Sami Zayn problem. No Roman there tonight. Paul Heyman sort of running the show. Paul Heyman says, you know, your brother was told to stay home. You're going out there on your own tonight. Uh, and if you can't solve the Sami Zayn problem, we're going to solve our problem, talking of himself and Solo Sokoa. Solo Sokoa comes out during the match, attacks Sami Zayn, uh, Jey Uso pulls him off, and we think that we're getting the Jey Uso face turn again, and super kicks Sammy again. Okay, this is the second time they've done it, and it's the second time that it's worked, because he didn't just go and save Sami Zayn, he also went face-to-face -face with Solo. Somewhere down the line, when the battle lines are a little bit more skewed, Jey Uso versus Solo Sokoa is a match I want to see, but it didn't happen tonight, because he says, you know, you gotta stop, you gotta stop, that's enough, He's got. he's had enough, he's had enough, because I want to kick him in the face, because I'm still tethered to Roman Reigns' approval at the moment, and that's how we went off the air. But, the image... And you'll see it on the on the thumbnail if you're watching on uh, YouTube or on Rumble. Maybe not so much if you're listening on audio, but you'll see it on the thing there. the The image of Jey Uso and Solo Sokoa lingered for a long time because WWE wanted you to pitch think of that before what Jey Uso did next. So there's a lot going on. That was that was the end of SmackDown, by the way. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Uh, going into this week, we know that Nakamura is coming back. We know that I think Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez are getting a shot at the Women's Tag Team Championships. We know that Cody Rhodes is going to be on Raw to address his future, and I'm sure that won't be that won't be emo at all. Um, I mean, we got to get some kind of idea of like when Finn Balor is going to be wrestling again because he re-injured his leg and cracked his head like a melon. So let's. Let's deal with that. Let's set some matches in motion for uh, for Backlash. I'm pretty sure that Baszler and Ronda are going to get their tag team title shots at Backlash. I'm pretty sure we'll set up somebody to face uh, Zayn and Owens, uh, somebody for the other championships. I don't think Roman Reigns will necessarily be on this, so maybe some big multi-man will be in the main event. Um... Please announce the Ripley versus Bel Air match. Put the Raw Women's Championship out of its misery. 
That's that's all I got to say. I'm rambling now. I'm very, very tired. It's it's stupid o'clock in the morning. Hope you guys have enjoyed this. Like I said, I haven't gotten into half of this stuff nearly as much as I would have liked to, but normal programming resumes next week. And for those of you that have been following my Flix Fix stuff, I hope to do a little bit more of that as well. But until then, I've been Spaz, your YWC Reality Check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to you today. I'll see you later. But for right now, I'm tagging out.